Welcome to Going In Tight. Coming out loose. Welcome back to Going In Tight, Coming Out Loose. This is Bart Lewis, and with me as always is Chris Gibson. We've been off a few weeks, and we have been up to some fun, exciting new stuff, planning for the future of Get Cool Podcast. We want to talk about the latest happenings and news that's been happening over the past couple weeks, and we want to debut our newest segment here at Get Cool, NASCAR Story. So, Chris, let's, let's get it going. What have you been up to the past couple weeks? Well, it's been fun. So my big announcement is um, that I'm going to be a dad again. So I figured that out over the past couple of weeks. So that's going to be fun. We're adding another NASCAR fan as we do this podcast. Stuff like that's always fun. Uh, I got to come down and see you and we got to partake in a very fun podcast interview and partner up with somebody who's trying to highlight uh, different NASCAR fan podcasts. So that was a lot of fun to be able to come down there uh, amidst your renovations that were going on. And you can tell us about those in a minute, but uh, I, it's been a lot of fun. And I've, I've been writing this story that uh, we'll talk about here in a little bit, but just trying to catch up on life and, and take a breather and get ready to jump back into this. Yeah, for me, I have a lot more free time on my hands now. We had <laughs> a, a horrific accident in our house in August it, a bat, an upstairs bathroom flooded in uh, flooded our kitchen and basement. So uh, for the past the past four months, we have had um, minimal uh, use of running water, no kitchen. <laughs> I've ate out at about every fast food restaurant nearby. So uh, we have it all back and put together, and we're very excited to have a house again. It's been a couple of good weeks since we've talked with Sammy. A lot's happened. Uh, within NASCAR and, and elsewhere in motorsports. First of all, F1 just wrapped up this past Sunday. Nope. Uh, Luce Hamilton won his seventh championship. Which, Breaking uh, news! <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no one is surprised. Um, and, and that's kind of like a good topic to start off with because um, there, there always are the people that are really upset with the NASCAR playoffs, especially this year because Kevin Harvick got knocked out of the top four going into the championship. And then Chase Elliott, who wasn't really picked as the favorite, won the championship. So we kind of get a look at what another series, motorsports series, is doing nationally, internationally, I mean, to, to run a true point system. And, I mean, it has its faults as well. What do you think about it? Yeah, I, you know, it's one of those things, and th- we've talked about it plenty of times. I, I don't want to complain about everything NASCAR is doing. There's always going to be something that can be done differently or be done better. And I think Steve Phelps, and we, we've touted him, and I also think that that France is doing a great job as the CEO. I, I think they're doing an, a phenomenal job of bringing us something different every week. F1 is the same thing, and it's been the same thing for a long time now, of Lewis Hamilton winning championships, and we sprinkle, I mean, him coming in third was the biggest story that came out of the weekend, not being the in first or second place. I, I like F1. I'm not sitting there saying that NASCAR needs to go back to that. Um, we've got NASCAR news. So uh, first of all, uh, Fontana uh, is getting canceled. Uh, <laughs> Darn. Let me, let me shed a tear real quick. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> I have not been, uh, I haven't hidden that I really have never liked California Fontana 
Um, it does not provide the excitement that I look for in NASCAR. It's a very big track. It's very long. And so is the race. So um, I'm not ex- terribly disappointed that it's, it's going away. Obviously, California has much stricter restrictions than Florida. You can pretty much have a party <laughs> in Florida right now, but you can't do anything in, in California. So it makes sense that they're not. But it kind of works out well because they're already changing the format of this track to a short track. Um, and basically because uh, the track itself really isn't that terribly exciting. So um, we're not going to see that uh, this next year. It will be a short track the next time we see Fontana. And um, it, it the Daytona Road Course takes its place, which everyone wanted to see that again. So we do we get to see it. Yep. And maybe they'll even get to practice before they drive on the Daytona road course this year. So I think we need to have racing in California, uh, but I think we need to do something that's competitive because Sonoma and Fontana have just not been super competitive. They've been kind Mm of run of the mill races. Yeah. And I like road courses, but I'm not a a very big fan of Sonoma either. It doesn't really provide a whole lot of great racing in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, but we've got other other stuff to talk about. So uh, Bubba Wallace has debuted his sponsors uh, earlier this week, and uh, it, uh, we got some big news. Uh, he's no longer a Coca-Cola family driver because Dr. Pepper is going to be one of his sponsors. Yep. And I thought Pe- Pepsi. I thought that was a Pepsi brand. It's like an RC Cola brand. Yeah, Dr. Pepper is like part of the Dr. Pepper Snapple family. Yeah, I didn't know that. I, I like Dr. Pepper. That's good. But you uh, know, it's genius because Dr. Pepper has 23 different flavors. So I think uh, that's where they're coming from. I, oh, I, I don't know that anybody else made that connection. I've been holding on to that one. I'm, I, I almost texted it to you. It's 23 flavors. They are now sponsoring 23 XI. You are going to see a ton of different stuff about that. And, well, I haven't seen anything about that. I think you might be the one who cracked the code. Uh, yeah, 100%. But he's got other sponsors. McDonald's will come back and sponsor him. They're mm-hmm. also still sponsoring Chip Ganassi. So they're sponsoring Chevy and Toyota. Um, Columbia, which I can't remember a clothing brand other than like Levi brand in NASCAR. Wrangler. Thought, yeah. The <laughs> Levi Wrangler. Um, yeah, those are the only ones that really come to mind. No cold weather. Not, not much cold weather stuff. And Columbia is kind of a more white collar brand, whereas you've got Levi and Wrangler who... We're, we're slanted towards the working man and sponsored guys like Dale Sr. So I, yeah. I think it'll be cool. I, I really like the Columbia car that he ran. So those schemes are going to be fun. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, Cash App, I believe, is another and then Root Insurance. So mm-hmm. a ton of sponsorship behind Bubba Wallace, which makes perfect sense. He's a very remarkable person. So moving on back to tracks. Uh, so they debuted that Coda Circuit of the America is gonna we're gonna be racing the full track, so three point four one miles. Yeah, I think it's gonna be fun. And one of the one of the things that I mentioned when I first saw it and was commenting back and forth with some people on Twitter, I'm really excited to see them use the exact same course as F1 because that's gonna give us an apples to apples comparison for these two different setups, these two different racing styles. Uh, F1, the cars are, are faster. They can take turns a lot faster. So it's cool to see them zip around the track, but I think it's going to be really cool to see these NASCAR drivers finesse that same course. Uh, the next thing that I'd like to see is a back-to-back NASCAR F1 weekend. I'm hoping that happens at some point because I think that would be so cool to bring those two worlds together. 
Well, I, I can't remember the weekend specifically. I know it's in November that they come. So we would have to be having like the championship race <laughs> with, with a double header with F1. There we go. I'm fine yeah. with that. <laughs> and put dirt on it while you're at it. Yeah. <laughs> in one corner, one corner. <laughs> yeah. Other news, uh, snowball derby happened. Uh, Ty Majeski, he won the snowball derby. Chase Elliott was involved. He got third. There's some other good racing going on. I've seen um, throughout the, the off season, a lot of NASCAR drivers always participate. Yeah. Doing a little sprint car racing and mm-hmm. um, getting into some of the, the dirt track racing. And uh, it was fun because I think it was Kyle Larson, Chase Briscoe and Chase Elliott were all going head to head with one another and they created some fun on the, on the dirt track. So uh, cool to see them together. It'll be cool to see Kyle Larson back with Hendrick, um, you know, with the changes that he's made. So um, cool to see all those guys kind of go into the lower levels and making sure that the grassroots part of the sport is, is still strong. Oh, I got something you might like. Are you ready for this? I don't know. Do you want to get silly? Oh, yes. I'll get silly. I thought you were going <laughs> to drop true false on me. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> no, uh, silly season news. There's still some silliness out there going on. Corey LaJoy going to Spire. I thought that was going to happen. and Yeah, that's kind of, well, in silly season as a whole, that's the way I look. I look at it kind of like a puzzle. So at this point, <laughs> we got like five pieces left, five holes left in the puzzle. I mean, it's kind of obvious. Like, this is what we got left. So who's going to fit in that piece? Right. So it kind of did seem like Corey LaJoy was the obvious to go to Spire. I think Spire is is looking to really build a team and do it fast. They've invested in two charters and they've kind of been out there running in the back, trying to figure it all out. They've accidentally won a race. I was there to see it. But uh, when you talk about little spots left open for puzzle pieces, there is one that's not available everywhere I'm looking. So I'm thinking Ty Dillon is just going to have to retire at this point. I don't see a spot for him. <laughs> I wouldn't say that he's incredibly talented. He's not bad by any means. Um, but I just don't know where the place, where, where his place is. Because what right. you need to do with a team when you go to a team is be better than the last person. If you're the same, you're, you're really not showing much value. And the sponsorship dropping shows that there was no value in that team running around 25th to 30th every race with a name like Geico on the car and you're not mm-hmm. uh, do, ever do anything with it. I mean, he should have been trying to average 20, 22nd and then maybe he would still be around. So um, I think he'll always have a place at RCR and maybe in the, uh, uh, the, the business department. Uh, but I don't see, I don't see him coming back. Well, uh, one more for you, uh, BJ McLeod and Matt Tiffs are getting together, which seems like an odd pairing to me. I've never mm-hmm. seen these two interact, which I'm not around the track very often in the, in the garages. So, uh, I may have missed something, but, uh, they're good going buddies, to... good buddies, <laughs> good pals, go fishing every weekend, <laughs> but, uh, they're, they're getting together and, uh, they've, they're owning their own team. Um, they're taking the charter from go fast racing, no T. And uh, they have their own team now. So uh, we should see how that one does. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So I want to transition us to something that you and I have been working on for a while. And, and we've been kind of workshopping. How do we deliver something to the NASCAR community that they don't already have? And we wanted to make sure that we were able to take our passion in the stories and the history of NASCAR and deliver that to fans. Yeah, I agree. And Chris and I have been putting our heads together over the past year that we've started this. 
and trying to come up with something new and different that would provide value to fans. The, the value to us is that we love to learn and we love the sport so much. So every time we get together and do a podcast, we learn so much about the sport we didn't already know. That's what we want everyone listening to our podcast to take away. It's really cool when, when people tell us they listened and that they learned something or they become a bigger fan mm-hmm. because they learned something that made them an even bigger fan. So providing a, a story of a piece of history of NASCAR that is, is very interesting and not well known because mm-hmm. NASCAR has been around for a good while now, since um, the late forties, um, a lot has happened and there's a lot of stories to tell. And we're really excited to do that. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Going In Tight, Coming Out Loose podcast series, NASCAR Story. In this series, we will highlight different topics that have shaped the sport that we all know and love. Many will delve into the history and some will look at common discussions that take place in the sport. As always, our goal here at Going In Tight, Coming Out Loose is to broaden our knowledge, the knowledge of current fans, and help show new fans why this sport is so great and the history that made it what it is today. This installment of NASCAR Storied is whiskey bent and title bound. We hope you enjoy. Let me start this out by leveling with you guys a little bit. Have you ever made a big beer run? Maybe grabbing seven or eight cases of beer? Hell, for you weekend warriors like I was in college, you may be supplying the party with liquid courage, and let's say you grab 10 cases of beer. That would be a whopping 22 and a half gallons of alcohol. Sounds like a lot, wouldn't you say? I'm going to take you back in history and show you something that shaped NASCAR, and we'll see if you still have that same opinion. Let me first take you back to December 17, 1917. The 18th Amendment to the United States Constitution was passed in the House of Representatives. This amendment was the result of years of efforts by the temperance movement. This amendment was designed to limit the consumption of intoxicating liquors. Imagine for a moment as you take a step back that eight days prior to Christmas, you look at your Twitter feed and see that Congress has passed a bill that tells you that you cannot enjoy some spiked eggnog or some spiked cider on Christmas. I can tell you right now, I have an honor to, that would not be ho-ho-hoing into the holidays. But I digress. Congress passed the bill 282 to 128. Democrats, 141 of them voted yes to this bill and 64 said no. Republicans, 137 of them said yes to this bill and 62 said no. Independents, they voted 42. I don't know what's more stunning here to me. Is it that Democrats and Republicans agreed almost perfectly to ban alcohol or that there were actually six independents in Congress? Nonetheless, the bill passed and went to the Senate where it again passed 47 to eight on the next day, December 18th. The ratification of the amendment was certified on January 29th, 1918, and on October 28th, 1919, Congress passed legislation called the National Prohibition Act, also known as the Volstead Act. The president at the time, Woodrow Wilson, vetoed it, but as you know, 
prohibition happened, so the veto didn't really work out in his favor. Thus, the production, transport, and sale of intoxicating liquors, which included beer, was made illegal. One interesting fact here is that consumption was not illegal. So you've got to riddle me that. How can you produce something, transport it, and sell it, and that be illegal, but then the consumption of it? How are these people getting it? Another rabbit hole that I won't go down. Prohibition lasted 13 years, 1920 to 1933. It is, to this day, the only amendment to be repealed. Prohibition gave way to what for many would become a family business, moonshining. Although prohibition was repealed in 1933, new federal tax law kept those who had made their living off of selling moonshine from obeying the rules. Why give money back to the government that had taken your livelihood and then wanted to give you back your livelihood at a heftier price? This led to a need for speed. Moonshiners had been taking streetcars and souping them up to outrun the law for years. Remember the beer run I talked about earlier? 10 cases which amounted to about a tick over 22 gallons? Well, moonshiners were running north of 100 gallons in their cars, sometimes as much as 180 gallons of whiskey at a time. Nearly 800 pounds of alcohol loaded into a Dodge Coronet an Oldsmobile Rocket 88, a Chevy Coupe, or the very popular Ford Model A Coupe that had a V8 engine. These cars had suspensions and engines that were easily modifiable without the changes being noticed by local law enforcement. I'm going to take another step aside. Does this sound familiar to you guys? Tinkering with an engine, a suspension, or the body of a car to gain an advantage? Doesn't sound like the strictly stock cars that we are used to. We'll tackle that issue later. Moonshiners needed cars that could navigate back roads, haul heavy loads, and most importantly, outrun law enforcement. Bootleggers were having to not only be the racers, but the mechanics as well. It wasn't long before these drivers had figured out their skills translated to racing. In the 1930s when Prohibition was phasing out, these whiskey runners began to test their grit at the local tracks finding out that people would come by the hundreds and at times the thousands to watch them showcase their racing skills. Moonshiners were making their way into organized racing. Speedways had popped up all over the country by the 1940s, and in 1949, Bill France Sr. created the National Association of Stock Car Auto Racing, also known as NASCAR. Now you will see, whiskey is the tie that binds. At 14 years old, Raymond Parks left his home in North Georgia to begin an apprenticeship as a moonshiner. He had been locked up for buying hooch for his dad at 14 years old. Yes, at 14 years old. He left his home, started moonshining, and he had also been locked up at this point. Parks became very successful at running his own still and bootlegging. He started to move his money to more legitimate business enterprises opening service stations, mechanic shops, and putting together what is now recognized as one of the first legitimate racing teams. Parks' less legitimate business dealing did follow him around though. 
His team got banned from Lakewood Speedway in Atlanta because they had all been convicted of liquor hauling violations. Although they won the race that they started at Lakewood Speedway with a driver who had no driver's license because he had been arrested in excess of 16 times, they still weren't invited back for future races. In 1949, the driver's championship was awarded to Red Byron. Byron drove for none other than Raymond Parks. However, Parks' time in the organized sport was limited. Big Bo France, as he would come to be known, began distancing the sport from its moonshine roots, trying to make it a family-friendly sport like baseball or football. Now, it may seem the closest thing to bootlegging NASCAR has is an infield full of drunk folks, and I've been one of them. But there are some things that time can erase. Though Parks had left NASCAR, there was another young man making his way into racing, a young man by the name of Robert Glenn Johnson Jr. At 14 years old, this seems like a popular age for moonshiners, the 14 years old. I remember at 14 years old, I was just worrying if I could finish my homework in time enough to ride my bike to my friend's house. But I digress again. A young man by the name of Robert Glenn Johnson Jr at 14 years old, began running his father's moonshine. You all may know Robert Glenn Johnson by his more frequently used name, Junior Johnson. In 1953, Junior Johnson made his debut at Darlington Raceway, and by 1955, he had a full-time career as a NASCAR driver. However, he still continued running that whiskey. This led to Johnson spending 11 months in prison from 1956 to 1957. Johnson returned to the sport after his incarceration to win 50 races as a driver. He notched 148 top 10s, and he went on to own his own team where his drivers amassed 132 wins and he won six championships as an owner. Three of those championships came from Cale Yarborough and another three from Darrell Waltrip. Other drivers who drove for Johnson included Bobby Allison, Terry Labonte, Sterling Marlin, Jeffrey Bodine, Bill Elliott, and a few more. Following his team's final championship in 1985, President Ronald Reagan granted Johnson a presidential pardon for his conviction in 1955. This restored one of his most basic human rights, the right to vote. Johnson and Parks aren't the only guys who were steeped in moonshine. Benny Parsons and Lee Petty are two other big names who took their ability to whip flawless bootleg turns and put that skill on the track. NASCAR did continue to distance itself from its moonshine roots. However, Junior Johnson couldn't let the taste of the family recipe die. In 2007, in partnership with Piedmont Distillers in North Carolina, Junior Johnson created the old family recipe which is now available in all 50 states under the name Midnight Moon. Today, NASCAR has begun to embrace its embattled past. In the Hall of Fame, there's a bootlegging exhibit where Raymond Parks' name will forever be enshrined, and Junior Johnson, an owner for the ages, will live there too, and he will continue to live on under the light of Midnight Moon Whiskey. The two characters we've highlighted today are pivotal in making NASCAR what it has become. Raymond Parks was the first person 
to formalize a NASCAR team, and he won the first NASCAR championship as an owner. Junior Johnson, one of the most storied characters in NASCAR history, has won not only as a driver but as an owner and has gone on to affect the lives of some of the biggest names in the sport today. Is this the brightest point in our sports history? No, but it needs to be highlighted because it guided and it fueled some of our biggest and brightest stars and shaped what the sport is today. Junior Johnson passed away on December 20th, 2019, almost a year ago to date. Johnson died while he was in hospice care and was suffering from Alzheimer's disease at the time. We wanted to dedicate this first installment of NASCAR Storied to this legend and hero of the sport that we all know and love. We thank you all so much for tuning in to the first installment of the Get Cole podcast special series, NASCAR Storied. We're going to be bringing you more stories throughout the season that highlight the history, current events, and some of the hot topics that need to be discussed within our sport. We hope that you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Spotify, and you can find us on any major podcasting platform. You can go to our website, goinintightpodcast.com, and share this story with others who might like to hear it. You can also follow us on social media at goinintight underscore pod on Twitter and on Instagram. We will talk to you all again soon. In the meantime, enjoy your holidays and have a happy new year.